wanted you to know I'm not the pastor. Our, our lead pastor is away this morning. Um, but he asked me to share with you guys this morning, and I'm excited. I really have something excited to share with you guys. For those of you who don't know me, haven't had a chance to meet you guys yet, my name is Ben Schultz. Uh, I've been to this church since I've been a very young kid. And um, I, w- I do a couple of things. One of the things that I do is I lead the youth ministry that's here at our church. And uh, I've been doing that since, like, 2010, I think. Um, been in charge of the, the youth ministry. And before that, I went to uh, Elam Bible Institute, to Bible College. And while I was at Elam Bible Institute, I studied music and Bible. But mostly I was interested in music. And, and I really enjoyed that and did worship, uh, stuff like that. But in that season, I, you know, as I was getting ready to graduate, I was a little confused about where God was leading me in life. I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced that or maybe he's experiencing that right now. I was like, God, I am surrendered to you. I'm willing to do whatever you like, but I have no idea what that is. So I'll go where you want me to go. I just don't know where that will, where that will be. And I actually remember thinking, like, God, I, you know, I would be happy to serve in any area you want to serve, want me to serve. Except youth ministry. I don't really feel comfortable in youth ministry. That's not really my thing. Um, but music, though, that would be great. So this one Sunday, I remember, um, Pastor Karen preached. And she preached a sermon about God meeting Moses in the desert. And the question that God poses to Moses in that story is, what's in your hand? He's referring to Moses as staff. And the question or the challenge that Pastor Karen gave us that day was, what's in your hand? What has God given you already that you can use? What's already within your capability or within your arena that you can use to serve? And so I I left that message feeling like, okay, uh, I don't know what I'm called to, but I'm going to use whatever I got. Whatever time I have or whatever I'm able to do, I'll use. And at that same time, um, the man who was a youth pastor then, Pastor Tim, was constantly asking for people to come and help to volunteer with the youth ministry. He kept asking me, do you want to help? Do you want to help? Do you want to help? And it seemed like God was kind of putting these two things together for me, you know? So I said, all right, yes, this must be the leading of the Lord. Um, it's, uh, it's not my, my, my favorite thing. It wasn't my first pick, but I can do this. I'm available. I have time. So I committed to begin helping the youth ministry, and basically I've been doing that ever since. But over that time, I have grown to absolutely love what I do with the youth. Um, I've grown to love that the kids were in that age and what, where they're at in life and the kind of events that they get to do, the kind of fun things that happen when you're in youth ministry. And I've grown to really, really enjoy a lot of those kinds of things. And in fact, what I used to like maybe avoid has now become my comfort zone. It's kind of become the place uh, where, I, where I feel most natural, you know? That experience taught me a lesson, and that is following God often means stepping out of your comfort zone. God often calls us out of the place where we feel comfortable into something that feels a little like this is beyond me, or I don't know if I can do this, because that's where he works. As I've had opportunity to speak here um, recently, I've been speaking through a series on Hebrews chapter 11. We've been looking at people of faith. The whole chapter is dedicated to talking about people of faith. And that's what I'm looking at, the different people that are there. And each one I look at, I think, 
what makes this person a person of faith? What did they do? What did they know? How did they act that made them such a great person of faith? And how can I apply that to my life? And that's kind of where I'm going with this. And so today, um, I want to look at another character. I want to look at Moses. And I want to suggest to you that people of faith get out of their comfort zone. The Bible is full of stories about people who stepped out. About people who went way beyond their comfort, way beyond their ability, way beyond their experience, and they were used by God in mighty ways. And just, the Bible is just full of stories I can think of, of people who did things that seemed like they should not have been able to. And those stories, when you read them, can be really encouraging. You know, to hear of like young kids who are leading the nation or fighting battles or, or people who were not, you know, who were doing all these things for God. That can be encouraging. But that can also be a little intimidating. I don't know if you guys ever feel that way. You read stories about, like, let's say, Noah's dedication to build the ark when it seemed like a foolish mission. Abraham's trust in God's promise, even when it seemed like it was not going to happen. David's incredible boldness and courage when it came to fighting all kinds of enemies. Solomon's just his, his wisdom and his leadership. And I look at these guys and I think, that's awesome, but that's not me. You guys ever feel like that? That's, those guys are incredible. They're heroes, but that's not me. I'm not that brave, I'm not that smart, I'm not that whatever, that strong. And so it can easily look at these people and think, these are extraordinary. These are especially gifted, and I'm not that. So today we're going to look at the life of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. And there's a lot that we can learn about faith from the life of Moses, but perhaps my favorite lesson is this. I want you to get this. Faith changes people. Faith changes people. Faith does not leave us the way we are. And we look at these heroes in the Bible and we think, that's not me. I'm not going to be like that. But I'm here to tell you the good news is that faith in God will change who you are and what you're capable of and the places where God can use you. And a lot of these stories we read about, they started just like us. And God worked in their life. And God called them to greater things. And step by step, they were changed to where they could be used by God. So if you can open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, um, as I said. We're going to look at Moses' story, and we're going to see how faith changed him. And the first lesson that we learn is that faith changes what you see. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it starts right there by saying, by faith Moses, that's how you can find it. Starting in verse 23, I'm going to read a couple of verses. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to talk about the way that faith changes what you see. So as I read these verses, I want you to look in, in your Bible, or on the screen, you can have a Bible, and see if you can find words in this description of Moses' story that talk about things that he saw. Okay, see if you can find all the places it refers to seeing. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. By faith, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured 
as seeing him who is invisible. So we see that Moses' life is characterized by great by faith. From his birth through his entire life, his life is characterized by faith. Great faith that led him to do some incredible things. But I think these verses give us a really important insight, and that is this. His great faith began with a change in perspective. It said that he did what he did because he was looking forward to a reward. He was seeing something that was invisible. And that changed not only what he, what he believed in, but it changed how he lived. So at the time that Moses was born, his people, the Israelite people, were living as slaves in Egypt. And the Egyptians were their rulers and their masters. But they were afraid that the Israelite people were becoming too strong and too plentiful. And so as a way to kind of curb their population, the king made this terrible law. And he said, any baby boys that are born should be killed. In fact, what he said is, any boys that are born should be thrown in the river. And he was hoping to, to, um, to stop their population from growing, to keep them um, in control and slavery. So try to imagine for a minute what Moses' mother and father must have been going through. Okay? They live as slaves. The king has a law that anyone who has a boy will be killed. Then they become pregnant. And she's having a child. I'm assuming she has no way to know what it is. And the night that the child is born, they look and see that it's a boy. Now, how would they feel about that? They're probably terrified. Maybe they were devastated because they know what this means. They know what's supposed to happen now. They have a choice to make. And they, they, I mean, they can see the situation, and they can see where this is going. But the Bible says they saw something else. It says he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king. Now, they saw the king's evil law and they saw what was to be the terrible outcome of that, but they saw something else and that was the child. And they saw the child was beautiful and I think that means more than, oh, that's a cute baby because let's be honest, everybody thinks that their baby is the most beautiful baby in the world. But I think it was something more than that. I think they could see that this child was special, that God had a plan for this child, that there was something more for this child um, than death. So in an act of courage, they disobeyed the king, and they kept the baby, and they kept the baby hidden for three months, which if you've ever had a baby, you know that's about as long as you can hide it before (laughs) your neighbors begin to notice. They begin to hear it or smell it or see it. And so after three months, they couldn't hide this baby any longer. So they put it in a basket, and they put it in the river, which sounds like a bad way to take care of a baby. I'm pretty sure that's frowned upon in New York State. But for them, that was an act of courage to try to preserve this baby's life. And it led to a miracle. Because the baby wasn't in the river that long before Pharaoh's daughter. Think about that. The daughter of the king who made a law that the baby should be killed. His daughter finds the baby, has compassion on the baby, and rescues him and saves him. And she names him Moses. She names him Moses, which means I drew you out. Which is so ironic because it's prophetic that God's going to draw his people out. It's, it's really ironic and beautiful in the way that God moved in that story. But So Moses is saved. 
Faith allows us to see things differently because we put our eyes on God's character, not on the situation, then we have a reason to hope. If we look at around us at, at what looks like it's going to happen, you know, we have a boy, the laws, the boys get killed. I see what's going to happen. There's no reason to hope. But when you look at God's character and who he is and the promises he's given us, that gives us reason to hope. I so appreciated Brother Dick's message that he spoke here last week about hope. And he spoke to us about how our hope is not on, you know, what could happen or, or hopefully something good will happen. Our hope is in Jesus and our hope is in God and he never changes. But to be honest, sometimes it can be easier to find reasons to be discouraged than it can be to find reasons to hope. It sounds really good on a Sunday morning to say let's hope in God and his character. But when you go through your daily life, it's easy to find things and say, I don't know if that's going to get better. This person is sick and they don't seem to be getting any better. I need to find a job and I haven't found a job. I'm struggling in this area or whatever. And it's easy to find ways to be discouraged. If you're feeling discouraged by life this morning, I want to ask you a question. What have you been looking at? What have you been seeing? I challenge you to look at your situation and say, what does the character of God say about this situation? If God is who he says he is, then what good can come out of this situation? Have you guys ever seen any shows, watched those shows about house flipping? Where uh, these people who buy houses that are, you know, run down or abandoned or um, foreclosed on or whatever, and they'll buy them, and then they'll try to, to renovate them and repair them and paint them and whatever and try to sell them for a profit. You guys watch these shows? Yeah. Everyone was staring at me with a blank face like they no idea what I was talking about. So. Good. Um, great shows. I like those shows. I especially like when they fail. I don't know what's wrong with me that I enjoy that, but... Um, so, but what's crazy is that like sometimes they'll go and look at these houses and they're just a mess. And you see houses with like missing walls or windows and there's stuff growing in the floors and just, just like absolutely just like what happened? Did the bomb go off in here? And, and then they'll write a check for several hundred thousand, millions of dollars sometimes. Like just crazy loads of money for a house that nobody's going to want to move into. And you're thinking, what a gamble. Like, what are you doing? And like even the, just the payment, the monthly payment on the house is going to destroy you if you make too many of those. And so then they get to work right away and they start painting and, and rebuilding and fixing and tearing stuff out. And, and then, then they, 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 they do that. And so I started thinking about that. They look at a house that nobody else would want and they pay lots of money for it because they see something that nobody else sees. They see with vision something that isn't there yet, but they see the possibility. They know what they can do. They know, um, you know, the crews who can do the work, and they see what this could be. And I think a lot of times um, that's how God looks at us and looks at our situations. And we look at him and say, you know, this is a, my life is a mess right now, or this relationship in my family is a mess, or my job, whatever. It's, it's not what it should be. I'm failing. But God looks at it and says, no, this is worth a lot. I could do something with this. But just a little bit of work. This is worth a lot to me. How much you value something depends on what you see when you look at it. It has different value depending on what you see. 
So back to Moses' story. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's palace. And I'm assuming that he received the education, the care, the privilege that any child growing in the king's palace would receive. And it doesn't tell us, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how well he was accepted or liked or if he fit in in the palace. We don't really know that. But we can tell that Moses must have known that he was different because at some point he begins to realize that he's an Israelite and they're Egyptians and there's a difference. And there's a really important story that demonstrates this. As he's getting older, he's out one day and he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite man. He walks on the scene, as the way he described it to us, the Egyptian is beating the Israelite, and Moses steps in and he rescues the Israelite by killing the Egyptian. And this is a pivotal moment in, Noah's, in Moses' story. So let me refer to Noah. The pivotal moment for Moses, and here's why. Because in this moment, he can see the life that he lives, a life of luxury and a life um, of royalty. He's an Egyptian. But he can also see the life of a slave who's being mistreated and abused. And this is who he's feeling called to. And he sees he can compare an Egyptian and Israelite. And he steps in and he doesn't choose comfort. And he doesn't choose luxury. And he doesn't choose privilege. He instead chooses to be mistreated. He instead chooses to identify with the Israelite. Um, In the Message Bible, uh, it's paraphrased this way. By faith, Moses, when he was grown, he refused the privilege of the Egyptian royal house, and he chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic, soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp greater than the Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the reward. Think about it. Moses could have easily... Just thank God for his good fortune. Thank God that he was saved from death. Thank God that he was saved from slavery and just enjoyed his life as an Egyptian. I, I don't mean, would any of us have held it against him if he'd have just been like, thank you God that you preserved me and you put me in a better place and just been grateful to God and lived his life as a happy Egyptian prince. He could have done that. He could have ignored the situation and just been grateful. He could have even have justified it. Maybe he could have said, you know, God put me in this place so I can be a voice, you know, in the Egyptian royalty, in the, in the government, about the way that they're treated. Maybe I can help improve some of their situations. He could have justified living, staying where he was at, feeling like God had put him in that position. But he didn't. He, he, he was looking at something else. He saw something more valuable than the privilege and the luxury and, and the things that he had been given. It says he was looking ahead, anticipating a payoff. He was looking at something else. And I don't even know if he knew it at the time. I kind of doubt that. But faith had changed the way that he looked at things. Faith does that. It changes what we see. It allows us to find hope in difficult situations because we see God's character. Has anyone else ever struggled with bad attitudes or bad behavior in your kids? Is that a no? Um, <laughs> or maybe in somebody else's kids. Maybe if, you're, if you don't have kids. Or you're um, as a parent, as you can imagine, that's something you deal with. 
And you ever like you have a kid who is just uh, you know argumentative and wants to wants to do always wants to do what they want to do or argue with what you're trying to do and never listens to you and you start thinking like what is wrong with this kid? Where did this come from? Are they possessed or I don't get it? Like this is not my kid who's acting like this. Um, and I really felt. Uh, not all the time, but every once in a while, I'll get a little bit of wisdom. And I got this thought that, like, there's definitely, in this bad behavior, there's definitely some rebellion, and there's some bad attitude, and there's some selfishness. But there's also this young kid's personality that's mixed in here. And that's a good thing. There's actually something good in that. And it's really cool when you're able to see that. Because think about it like this. This kid who won't give in and who won't listen to me, someday, by the grace of God, is going to be the same kid who's not going to give up when life gets tough. Thank you, Lord. And the same kid who um, always wants to fight, always wants to argue, always wants to pick a fight, start a fight. By the grace of God, that same kid is going to fight for what's right when they grow up. And in the heart of each kid is something good, even though they don't know how to express it and it needs direction, there's something so good in those kids right now. And when I see that, I ask God for grace to be able to see the goodness and then wisdom and creativity to be able to, to cultivate it and to direct it. And not only is this a good way for us to think about kids or people who have bad attitudes and we're trying to see what's good in them, but think about this. Doesn't God the Father see us the same way? And when we fail or when we, um, we don't measure up or we feel weak, he's looking at us going, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, you, you messed up, but I see what's in you. I see something good in you. And it's easy for us to look at ourselves and say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I read my Bible more or whatever it might be. I wish I was nicer. But God says, look, they want this. They're trying this. They love me. And he's so proud of you. And he says, this is something that I can work with. This is something we can do, we can do something with. You might look at your job and think, I hate my job. You don't have to raise your hands. But how many... <laughs> But how many of you think sometimes, I hate this job, or this is a waste of my time? God, I wish you'd give me something better to do with my time. And God might be thinking, no, you're in a good place. You're learning something while you're there. Are you being an influence while you're there? You might not like it. You might not see anything good right now. But there's a reason why you're there, and there's something good coming from the place you're at. Regardless of the situation that you're facing, I know we're all facing difficult things, but regardless of it, faith will change what you see in that situation. So if you're facing something, ask God, show me what you see in this situation. Show me a reason to hope in this situation. The second lesson I learned from Moses' life is faith changes what we fear. And we're going to do the same thing. I'm going to read through it again real quickly. And I want you to look for words that have to do with fear and see if we can, we can see the way that 
fears played out in Moses' life. So by faith, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edicts. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, but he was looking for the reward. By faith, he left Egypt not afraid of the anger of the king, and he endured a seeing him who was invisible. So in the story, in the verses here, both Moses and his parents were not afraid of the king. And it's not that they weren't aware of the danger. It wasn't that the danger wasn't very real to them. It's that they feared God more than they feared the king. And I don't want to imply that they were afraid of God. I'm saying that they were choosing to obey God instead of obeying their fear. They were being led by God, not being led by their fears. And Moses was a man, as we look at his life, who had a very fearless faith, would stand up to Pharaoh, would stand up to other to people, and was very courageous. But this was a process for Moses. And this is honestly one of my favorite parts about Moses' story. He stands up for the Israelites, you know, when he's back in Egypt and he kills that Egyptian. And then when he's confronted by his own people, he runs off. He takes off into the desert and he hides. God comes and he finds Moses, the whole burning bush trick, and says, listen, I want you to go back. You forgot something. Go back and get the people. Bring all the people out. And in that story, it's in Exodus like 3 and 4, it's a great story because Moses, this awesome hero, this man of faith, is so scared that he basically tells God, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And God has to convince him and has to show him signs and has to encourage him just enough for Moses to go back. And I see in that that faith changed Moses. He wasn't always fearless. He wasn't always brave. It was his encounter with God. It was his faith in God that changed him to become brave. He exchanged his fear of man for a fear of God. And now many of Moses' fears were very real. I mean, he could have been killed by Pharaoh. Um, He could have been killed by the Israelites. In fact, there were a couple of times they got pretty mad at him. They could have died in the desert. They could have drowned in the sea. There's some very, very serious, real problems that Moses is facing here. And in comparison, a lot of my fears are not quite as serious. (laughs) You know, what if, but I, I do have some things I'm afraid of. Like, what if I lose my job and I can't support my family anymore? Um, <clears throat> what if I disappoint people who are looking up to me, my kids or, or my parents? Um, sometimes a lot of my fears are, are inward. You know, what if people don't like me? What if I don't, I'm not accepted where I go with what I do? What if I fail? And sometimes these kinds of fears can keep us from obeying God. And when that happens, what we're doing is we're Elevating the fear over God. We're saying, I'm going to obey this feeling more than I'm going to obey you. And that's not what we want. So although the fears might be different, like Moses's, maybe his fear of the people, or of, of you know, the Egyptians, or my fear of failing, or maybe your fears are something different. But though they might be different, the principle 
is the same and stands true. Faith teaches us to fear the Lord more than we fear circumstances. Not because they're not real, not because it's not a real problem for us to face, because we value the eternal worth of God's acceptance more than the temporary worth of earthly things. We value the, the eternal worth of God's point of view and his acceptance and his approval more than anything that might happen in this life. I want to give you a quote um, from a man, a missionary. His name is Jim Elliott, and he has this famous quote. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he can't lose. And this is a great quote. It's one of those nice inspirational quotes that you would see on a mug or on a poster or something like that and just feel like, yeah, that would be good. But actually, when you hear the story of Jim Elliott, you realize this guy knew what he was talking about. And he didn't just write nice quotes, but this guy lived it. So the story, um, Jim Elliott and a few other friends felt called by God uh, as missionaries to the country of Ecuador, which is in South America. And specifically, not just Ecuador, but specifically to a tribe of people who were unreached. They were violent, savage headhunters. They were always in battle with other tribes and killed anybody else who came near them. And they felt called by God to reach those people. And so him and I think four other men moved there with their families to try to reach these people, knowing the dangers, knowing that it was going to be difficult, if not impossible. And so they spent a long time, months, trying to reach these people, trying to connect them. And finally, after a couple of years, they finally found a village, and they, they flew a plane, and they landed a plane on a beach near the village of this tribe. And some of the people from the tribe came out, and they gave them gifts, and they tried to talk to them and to be friendly with them. And they were trying to, like, build a relationship. And the next day, men from the tribe came and killed all of them. And they all died on the beach. This is the man who says that he's not a fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. He knew what he was talking about. He wasn't just saying it. He believed it. He lived it. And you know, I so admire that, that there's their bravery, their courage, walking into the situation that is almost certain death and cost them their lives. And they, they weren't... Um, they wouldn't be distracted. They wouldn't be um, turned away. I, I just admire that bravery. They demonstrated what fearless faith really looks like. I don't know about you. Like I, I mentioned, a lot of my greatest fears are often what other people think about me. Have you guys ever felt like God was telling you to do something and you didn't want to do it because you thought, what are people going to think if I do something weird? Ever had God like, I feel like God wants me to go talk to this guy, but he's going to think I'm crazy, or I don't know. And, and he just gets so nervous, and like, I don't want to talk to them. Honestly, I have more examples of failures in that arena than success. I remember this one, uh, I can think of a couple, but this one in particular, when I was at Elam, that I went there for Bible school, this one class I was taking, it was an assignment that you had to go somewhere and pray for somebody. You had to go find a stranger and offer to pray for them. And there were some kids in our class who were like, yay! And they were coming back and they were like, oh, I met this guy and he, he asked me to pray for him and he got healed and he's coming to church now and that's awesome. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, 
Like, can I, pa- can I not do this assignment and still pass? So me and a couple other friends who were feeling the same way, we said, all right, we got to do this. In fact, of course, as you can imagine, we waited till the night before the assignment was due. And then we're like, all right, we've got to do this. So we, we drove out, and we went to the mall, and we walked around the mall looking for somebody, hoping we'd find somebody who, like, was asking for prayer. I, I remember walking to the mall, and like, no, none of these people look like they need prayer enough. So <laughs> we went to a few other stores, and I remember we, we ended up in Walmart. And it was like, okay, we've got to go home because curfew's coming. So we've got to pray for somebody. I'm like, ah. So we were like walking down the hallway, and then there were these kids. I remember there was like these two younger kids, like teenagers or whatever, and we're like, um, can I pray for you or something? And they were like awkward. They were like, I guess so. And the one kid, I remember he said something about, I remember the details. But he said something about, yeah, my mom is sick. So I was like, okay. And we prayed for his mom to be better. And, and then he was like, okay, thanks, and, like, left. So it wasn't a super, like, amazing experience. It was kind of awkward, and I feel bad that, like, it was so hard for me. Why was it so hard for me to walk up to somebody and say, God loves you, can I pray for you? But I don't know, and that, and that was, that was, it's something I've struggled with. But I keep asking God, give me more opportunities and change me. God, change me, because I don't ever want to disobey God out of fear. Faith changes what we see, faith changes what we fear, and then faith changes what we do. So by faith, uh, we see Moses' parents hid him because they saw he was beautiful, they weren't afraid of the king, so they, they in an act of courage, like I said, they hid him and they preserved his life. Moses, because um, he was looking ahead to the reward and he valued uh, he valued Christ more than the fleeting pleasures. It says, or like um, the easy life. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he left Egypt. To say that that Moses left Egypt is a super simple way to super simplistic way to say that because it's so much more than he left Egypt. He could have lived. His entire life is a happy Egyptian prince. And he left that all behind to join with a group of slaves to walk into the desert. Saying he left Egypt makes it sound like he just decided to move. But it was so much more, such a greater decision with, this, with much more significant consequences. But God blessed him, as we know, and he led the people of Israel, Israel out to the promised land where they were established as a nation. Uh, we all love the idea of a promised land. We love the idea of God's calling us to something better. God's calling us to something. He's got a place prepared for all of us. And that's very, very true. But here's the thing that we've got to understand. That if God is going to leave you somewhere good, then you have to leave something else behind. So for Moses, in order to be, get to the promised land, he has to leave his life of comfort. He has to leave his life of luxury behind. And if God's calling you to a greater place, then you're going to have to leave something else behind. Often our faith forces us to choose between obedience and comfort. I find often having to choose between obedience and comfort. But if we're going to become people of faith, it's going to be uncomfortable. If you want to become a person of faith, you might as well just tell yourself right now, this is going to be uncomfortable. This is going to be, this is going to hurt a little bit. 
In fact, tell the person next to you, this is going to be uncomfortable. You might have to wake them up to tell them that. See, I found that God, uh, lead in, in our life, he leads us in seasons. And he leads us to seasons of, um, leads us to places where we can grow. Places like this church is a great example. Where we can learn, where we can be strengthened, where we can be encouraged, where we can grow. And that's good. But your faith becomes real when you step out of your comfort zone. That's when you find out what you really believe. That's when you really learn to call on God is when you, when you step out of where you're comfortable and where you don't know what you're doing and you don't see how it's going to work out. And this is something I've experienced a lot um, in my life. I look back and I think the times where my faith was the strongest, where my faith grew the most, was when I was way out of my comfort zone. I can think of a couple examples. One in particular, I remember a couple of years ago, we took a team on a mission trip to Mexico. How many of you guys went to Mexico with us a couple of years ago? That was a great trip, but that was a very uncomfortable trip. Um, that was part of what made it fun. But like, we were like traveling through Mexico, usually in the bed of a pickup truck, um, eating very questionable food, sleeping on the floors. Um, it was not the, well, the easiest trip. And then like, I remember this one place we went, we were going to these different villages to visit churches that were in these really remote villages. And so we drove, I don't remember the time, but we drove for a long time all day and got to this village and you're hungry because you're not really eating the weird stuff they're giving you and tired because you're not sleeping great. And then <laughs> the missionary's like, okay, we're at church. It's going to start in a few minutes. Um, can you preach? And you're like, uh, <laughs> yes, that's what we came here to do. Sure. And so I, I remember like in that instance, I prayed like I've never prayed before for God to give me a word to preach. And, and then as you're praying, you're thinking like, because I'm, pr- I'm preaching my broken, my, you know, my weak sermon through a translator. And, and who knows how much is getting through. So I'm praying like in tongues, like, oh, Lord, you know, help them understand what's trying to be said. It's funny how when you're in an uncomfortable place, you just, it forces you to rely on God more and more and more. Another example, um, there's a guy that I work with who I, I kind of felt like God had laid on my heart. You ever have that where you just feel like God's putting something on your heart? And I'm like, okay, I feel like I should probably talk to him about God, but I hate that kind of thing, and so I don't really want to. But I was like praying, like, Lord, give me the right opportunity and give me something clever to say maybe or, or something. And so one day we had lunch together, and like, so I'm like trying to like not steer the conversation, but you know, look for an opening to, to share my faith, you know. And it's funny, like every time I would share something, and then he would share, and as he's talking, I'm just like praying, like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. what am I going to say, what am I going to say, what am I going to say. And it, it's the same thing, like being in a place where I feel uncomfortable, where I don't know what I'm doing, forces me to have to rely on God so much more. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's stepping out of your comfort zone makes your faith become real. And you say, okay, now's where I really need God. Now's where I find out what I really believe and what I'm really praying for. Following God into these uncomfortable situations has changed me. 
For you, the same thing will be true. Following God out of your comfort zone will change you. Like I said, faith changes you when you step out. And I thought it, this is a really practical example, but I thought of this last summer. Um, we had a church work day, and I was up on the roof up here replacing some of the shingles, a job I won't have to do again, thankfully. We're getting a new roof. I don't know Make sure everybody knew that. But, um, so I was up there last summer replacing the shingles on, on the roof up here. And suddenly I remembered that when I was a young kid, I remember like maybe like eight years old or something like that, I had a terrible fear of heights. And I hated going up on roofs. And my dad did a lot of construction work, so there were times when he'd have me up on the roof, I don't know, like carrying stuff for him or skidding his way probably. But I remember like, I don't know if you guys have ever been on a roof and felt uneasy, you know, you do this thing where like, you're like, like walking on this the roof like this and like, holding on to everything you can. And then, like, I, that, that, that mental image came back to me as a little kid, like, scared and shaking and, like, holding on to the roof. And now I'm just, like, quickly walking back and forth. And I realized I forgot it, but I just totally grew out of that fear, you know? And so that's a really practical example. But the same thing has happened for me spiritually as well, where as I, as I um, follow God into different situations, I grow out of fears, and I've been changed. The things that make me uncomfortable don't bother me as much. Like um, talking to people that I feel uncomfortable around, I've gotten better at that. Because I've, I, you know, I've learned in that like, that God will get me through it and nothing terrible will happen. And people actually might like it sometimes. Following God in uncomfortable situations changing. I don't know about you guys. I'm just so grateful for this idea that faith changes us. That faith changes us because I need it. And <laughs> when I look at the stories I feel in the Bible, I feel kind of weak and I feel like I'm not going to measure up to that. But I know that God's working on me. And I know that he has something good for me. And I know he has something good for you. So be encouraged this morning um, that faith changes us. And we're not going to stay where we're at, but we're growing in the Lord. So I want to challenge you this morning that if you want to see your faith continue to grow, it's time to take a step out of your comfort zone. Okay? Give you, uh, I'm going to give you a couple suggestions, but I think the Lord will lay on your heart um, what He is calling you to do. So let's say, for instance, you feel uncomfortable around new people. I would suggest you take a step out of your comfort zone. Um, our church has a ministry that visits the nursing home, I think, once a month. They would always take more people to come and visit with them, I'm sure. Uh, our children's ministry is putting on a, a huge Easter egg hunt, and they can always use help with that. If you feel uncomfortable helping or serving, there's a great opportunity to step out of your comfort zone. If you feel comfortable, uncomfortable with self-denial, I don't know if anybody else feels uncomfortable with self-denial, I would suggest maybe take a day and fast. Or maybe get up early and earlier than you normally do and pray. Uh, or or uh, do something that you would normally be uncomfortable with and trust God in that. If you feel uncomfortable with evangelism, I know that's me, um, I would suggest that you start to pray for your friends, your unsafe friends or family, and say, God, is there an open door? Is there a conversation? 
is there a time and a place where I can begin to share? Don't just settle for what you're comfortable with, but step out of your comfort and trust that, that God will, will strengthen you and help you grow in those places. Um, I'm going to pray and, uh, and close the service, but like I said, I want to encourage you uh, to consider what, what places God might be having you to step out into, okay? Lord, I thank you so much uh, for your word to us. I thank you for the way that it, it, uh, it teaches us, but it also encourages us. And this morning, um, we're just encouraged that you're, you're working something in us. I pray for your, your hand uh, to help us as we step out in uncomfortable things sometimes and scary things sometimes and new things. I pray your, your grace would be upon us, your hand would be upon us in whatever area you call us into them. Pray that you would be with Pastor Chris uh, as he continues to travel, Lord. Bless every place that he stops and everyone he visits with and all of his, his travel, his flights. Uh, you would just be with him in that time and bring him home safe. In your name we pray. Amen. Be blessed. Have a good week. Uh, I think an announcement was made earlier that uh, we'll be setting up in here for the Easter egg hunt. So if you're a young man and you're willing to stay and help us move chairs, we would greatly appreciate that. Thank you.